Um, and I don't think they want to have Baptist pastors on many juries. That's, that's kind of where I was feeling uh, from the attorneys. But, you know, uh, bottom line is that that's what I think. Continue to keep uh, Debbie's family in prayer and the grieving of losing her brother. Tommy passed away and the funeral was uh, Monday. And uh, so we ask prayer for the family there as well. All right, um, we're going to be in Mark chapter number one tonight. Mark chapter one to begin. Matter of fact, we're going to be uh, in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tonight, looking at the event that we're going to look at. We've, um, as I mentioned, we've been through the time where Jesus has been rejected at Nazareth, and then he moves to Capernaum. Uh, we saw him attend the synagogue, and on the Sabbath, he teaches with authority, and he calls out a demon out of a man. Then he went to the house of Peter and Andrew and healed Peter's mother-in-law uh, on the Sabbath, which was a no-no according to the Pharisees. And then at the end of the Sabbath, we find the whole town shows up for healing and removal of demonic depression. And Jesus heals everybody that came. He heals. So that's been quite a day for the Lord. And I, I got to tell you, as somebody who gets tired along the way, and I consider the day that, you know, the, the, the human being, the man that our Savior is and how his ministry went, that the stamina of his physical, emotional, and spiritual stamina, um, just amazing. But we're going to pick the story up there, and we're going to be in Mark chapter number 1, and uh, we're going to be in verse number 35. So uh, that's all that's happened, and now we get verse 35, Mark chapter 1. And in the morning, rising a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. So now it's Sunday morning, and I don't know, even just the picture of this is kind of one of those things where it's like, wow, what a picture. You know, he gets up early in the day, he gets up, and he goes out and has fellowship with the Father. I thought, on Sunday. It's a great, great picture, isn't it? I don't know about you, that, that, that first Sunday, you know, when he, when he rose out of the grave there in that very early morning, and then walked and, and probably had fellowship with the Father. And here we see Jesus going to this solitary place, and he prays. Now, I'm going to, you ever heard anybody say that, use this and, and to take this scripture, and then the conclusion is, you know, that if you really want to, if you really want God's attention, you have to get up early in the morning, go to a solitary place and pray. In other words, does the fact that Jesus does this when it comes to prayer, does that make it a mandate? Jim, Jim Morgan's going, no. Do anybody else, you know? I, I know it's Wednesday night. I generally don't ask you to think too much. You know, I got another no. Um, why or why not? This is not one of my famous trick questions. Debbie? Okay. What, all right, there you go. Does, does the Bible say in a place or two that we can pray whenever? All right, Thessalonians pray without ceasing. You know, um, it, it's it it it's all the time. I mean, remember later on we're going to find when the disciples actually come to Jesus, and say, "Hey, teach us how to pray." <laughs> I don't read in there. At least you know, maybe it's somewhere in the Greek somewhere. I don't know, but it, I don't read in there that Jesus says, "Well, the first thing you got to do is get up before dark and find a solitary place." Now. That being said, let's see the context here that Jesus has been through a lot this previous week and the previous day, a lot of demand. Uh, there's been some hurt. There's been some disappointment. He's experienced rejection, but also a lot of victory. So it's just been very busy ministry. So 
to be able to get the time he wanted, he had to get up very early. Again, I'm, I'm not saying um, that a Christian needs to get up before sunrise every day and pray. I'm, I'm not going to take it that far. But I would say, I think in the life of the believer, there are times when that is what is necessary. So on the other hand, I don't leave here and I say, oh, Pastor Ken says, well, no, I think there are times in our life where things get really busy that, that we have to go to the extreme that Jesus or the, the level, the, the commitment that Jesus takes here to say, things have been so demanding, but I still need my time away. And so we got up very early. And sometimes that's the only time you got. And, and, and it's a matter of saying, well, I want to get a hold of God. And it's a matter of priority. But I don't, so I don't want to take something that we see in Scripture that's a historical narrative and then say, well, this is a mandate necessarily. No, we can pray all the time. We ought to be in a spirit of prayer all the time. But along the journey, I have found in my own spiritual life that sometimes life gets really, really busy and gets out. Of, and that's sometimes where you got to take some time away and say, I got to get up a little bit earlier. I got to go find a solitary place where everybody will just leave me alone. Right? Anybody else want to get left alone? Yeah. <laughs> no, you've got children at home. You're not getting left alone for a while there, Michael. Just get used to it. Um, and then when they leave, they come back. You think you're alone and you're not. Then they, they just come. But it, 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 I think it's part of, of the Christian experience, or at least it should be. And I think the Lord shows us that. And especially when you've been through a very demanding time of serving the Lord. Um, sometimes you need that time of getting away, getting alone, pouring your heart out to God, just as Jesus does it here. And I think we need it too. And um, I try hard in, in the ministry. Uh, I learned in my first ministry more of what not to do. But um, I want my guys to understand that, that ministry sometimes gets so, it's just this 24-hour-a-day demand. And sometimes you just got to go, you know, find where your quiet place is. You know, for Pastor Danny, it's always generally involves a cabin in the woods. That seems to be his place. Mine generally involves sand and beach and water or blue, blue ocean. You know, that, that's a good one for me. I, you go to the woods and there's bugs and there's, uh, yeah, yeah, there's bugs and there's more bugs and there's bears. You know, out in the Caribbean, there's only sharks. You know, no big deal. Um, but there's somewhere where you can go and where you ought to. And I know it, it, it's difficult. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit. Now, the thing that interested me when I read these, these passages and I find that Jesus got up early uh, and he went to pray, I don't know about you, but most of the time, if you are willing to get up early and go to a solitary place to pray, there's usually a motivating reason why. Is that not true? You just do that to say, well, I'm going to get up early. Just on. Now, maybe you do. Some of you are more spiritual than others. But most time in my life, it's when something's going on that I'm struggling with. Lord, what do I do? How do I know what to do? Prayer is very, very important. And I think our context is going to shed some light on maybe answering this question. Uh, verse 36, the Bible goes on in our story and says, And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. So Jesus wasn't alone for very long. <laughs> Didn't take very long. By the way, I, I, you know, again, people give a lot of grief to Peter because some of the things he said and all that, and y'all know he's my favorite. Um, so, you know, Lord, you've, you can tell him that, Lord, if you, you know, want next to you, of course. But um, I like Simon Peter. And notice it says, and they that were with him followed after him. Doesn't say they followed after James or Matthew or anybody. They, Peter was the guy. 
And what he did, other people were influenced by. And I don't know in your life where you are in your life. Some people uh, maybe are more influential than others. But I typically would say more people are watching you than you might know. And one thing you can say about Peter, he was awake or attentive enough to know that Jesus had left the room. Jesus has left the building. He knew it. Everybody else probably would have just slept through to, you know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. But Peter... No, he figured out that Jesus was gone. And you got to, you know, we give him a lot of grief, but let's give some props to Peter that he noticed and he takes the others and they follow him and they go looking for him. You know, I was thinking to myself, you know, as a dad, I, I, um, I was always thankful um, when I could go to work uh, after I'd been with the kids for a while, you know, when I'd played, you know, stay-at-home dad for a little while. Uh, that, that, that's a hard job. And uh, I, I know how I've heard stories from the moms if, you're at home that you you can try to hide from children in your house all you want but if they find you no matter what remember i think it was the jenny your favorite movie uh mom's night out you know where the movie starts with the the mother's in the in the walk-in closet buried underneath the clothes with shoes scattered all around and she you you can hear just chaos going on out there mom 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 (laughs) he's come dying you know um Jesus, you know, gets out of the house by himself, but it didn't take very long. The disciples, they, Peter notices he's gone and they all go looking for him and they come and they find him. And in verse 37, they say, hey, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Now, the question that comes is, why was everybody looking for Jesus? Why do you think they were looking for him? Anybody? Yep. And look at the context. What was happening the day before? Everybody that came to the house there on the Sabbath, at the end of the Sabbath, you know, when they, so they were in line with the uh, Pharisees. Jesus was healing them all, was healing some physically, some were demonically depressed, and he was casting out demons. You know, uh, apparently word got around. Now, when I thought about that, why was everybody looking for him? Well, they all wanted something from him. Now, that led me to think, then what is Jesus praying about? Am I praying, do I continue to heal these people? Um, You know, when you look at what's going on, revival, quote-unquote, is breaking out. People are being healed. People are being delivered from demons. People are flocking to him. If you can put it this way, the ministry is exploding. Isn't that what it's all about? There's people everywhere and bigger crowds. And I think that Jesus was probably what he was talking to his father about was the father's will for what he wanted him to do. One of the things I took from studying this passage was the truth that, I guess I'd put this in advanced Christian training, but just because things are going well doesn't necessarily mean that's where God wants you to stay. A lot of Christians that say, well, look at how things are going. God must not want to be here. I, I can tell you as a pastor, um, there's been many times when things have not been going well that I've told God, hey, this, this may just not be the place for me. Now, maybe sometimes God brings bad circumstances in to help move you along if you're supposed to. That, that could be the case. But you, there could be bad circumstances because you're under the attack of Satan. It could be because you've made lousy leadership decisions. There could be a, a myriad of reasons. You better sort that out with God and know what you ought to do before you just start jumping in because of the circumstantial evidence, if you you will. And unfortunately, in a lot of Christianity today, it, it, the idea is, well, if things are going good, 
and it, the path is easier and you're being blessed more, that must make it the will of God. Wrong. Satan uses that, that deception on believers everywhere. Now, it doesn't necessarily make it wrong either. This is where you need to be alone with God in a quiet place seeking the Father's will. You see, look at Jesus' response in this in, in verse number 38. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. Now, can you imagine when Jesus looked at them and said, Hey, we're, I've been praying about it, we're moving on. <laughs> you can imagine Peter, it's not recording, I'm going to pick Peter, this is what I would do, so I'm just going to go with this. Peter probably going, Lord, what are you talking about? We're leaving. People are coming from all over. Word's getting out. Isn't that the whole plan is to grow this, you know, the Capernaum Baptist church? You know, there are all these people and we're seeing miracles and people are being delivered. Isn't that what it's all about? Jesus says, know that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. Jesus knows his purpose and he knows his priority. Wow. Now, this again is not very popular, I'm about to say, but that's okay. It's biblical. Jesus' main priority was not to heal everyone. Physically. It's not, that wasn't his main goal. It was to preach the good news to everyone. Jesus says the priority here, Peter, needs to be preaching and now we got a bunch of people that just want to come because they want to have a, they want to get prosperity. They want all these things. But I need to get spread the word everywhere. Matter of fact, we're going to go now to Luke's account. If, if, if you want to see what Luke has to say about it, we're, let's gain an insight from his perspective in Luke chapter 4 and verse 42. Luke chapter 4 and verse 42. Um, if you have your Harmony of the Gospels, it's a lot easier. You can just look there on one page and you can see all this at one time. Um, but... I, I know how to find Luke. I hope you do too. Matthew, Mark, Luke, verse, chapter 4, verse 42. Bible says, And when it was day, he departed, went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. They didn't want him to leave. But he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. So once again, Luke reminds us of the important priority of preaching. You know, in today's church, often the church has been recast into entertainment, emotionalism, healings, self-help, sensationalism, exorcisms. But what about the preaching of the good news? What, what, what's happened to that? You know, it, it, I got to tell you, it amazes me. <laughs> I see these people, these churches that have packed out auditoriums. I ain't going to name anything. I'll, I'll be good tonight. With charlatans behind a pulpit that are selling false hopes. And so many people are desperate to be healed from some affliction or whatever that they come and they get in front of these guys who are charismatic and they're, you know. 
where is the preaching of the good news? You know, Paul said the same thing that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that the preaching was foolishness to them that didn't believe. But to us who do believe, it's the power of God that preaching seemed as foolishness in 1 Corinthians 1.18 and verse 23. Now, one thing I do want to clearly identify here, and again, I'm, you know, it drives me crazy when I hear these guys use passages like the one we're looking at tonight. For example, here in Luke, where Jesus says, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. You got to be fair and define inside the narrative and the context of the gospel stories that's being unfolded on what does that mean? Uh, most, most you're going to hear is that Jesus was out there preaching about, you know, that they're all sinners, they needed to repent from their sin, and that he, the, the death bearer and the resurrection, and no, I don't believe that's what he was preaching at this point in time. He was there to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Well, what does he mean by the kingdom? Well, who is he preaching to? The Jewish audience. What had the Jewish audience been told for hundreds of years by the prophets? That the Messiah was going to come. Jesus, following his, his identification by John the Baptist, his message was, the good news is, I'm the Messiah. In me are the words of eternal life. Now, he would be the way, but he was, his primary message, the good news is, I'm the Messiah. And the reason he was doing all these healings and the different things was to uh, authenticate the message that he was giving. The, the death, burial, and resurrection had not been fulfilled yet. Now, that doesn't mean he couldn't have talked about it, but I would submit this thought to you. We know when we read through the gospel accounts, there comes a time where Jesus specifically starts telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. And did his closest disciples understand that? No. Took them a while, didn't it? So I find it hard to believe that that's what Jesus was trying to get across here at this point. Right now, he is authentically offering himself as the Messiah to the Jewish nation. And as we will see, they will ultimately reject that offer. Now, Matthew, and we'll stop for tonight. Man, I might even get done early. Y'all are being quiet and I'm being fast. Um, in Matthew chapter 4, I want to look at, at Matthew's passage on this and then uh, we'll be done for the night. But just know that when Jesus says, I've got to go preach to other cities, he's saying, I've got to go tell other people that I am the Messiah um, and I am here offering the kingdom uh, of God to this Jewish generation. But in Matthew chapter 4, we find this same passage here from Matthew's vantage point, and uh, God gives us this view as well. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. Now, once again, Jesus goes into their synagogues because that's where people who are seeking the word of God were most likely to be found and those that could be explained as I talked about Sunday like Paul does the same thing that using Isaiah 53 for example to show that he was and would be Christ or Psalm 22 or different passages I guess there'd be he hadn't died yet what would he been using he'd have been using the Old Testament but bottom line is he went into their synagogues and was teaching and preaching the good news that he was the Messiah and then as we read on that in verse 23, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people, and his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all the sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic. Whew, I won't even go there, uh, DT. And those that had the palsy, and he healed them. 
And there followed him a great multitude of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. So Matthew, who we know his primary audience was a Jewish one, presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. He wants to make sure that when Jesus goes out and he's proclaiming himself to be the Messiah, saying good news is here, the Messiah is here, that he didn't do it without authenticating it. And no matter who they bought, brought to him, no matter what kind of disease problem they had, there wasn't one that Jesus said, oh, you know what, <laughs> that one's a little above my pay grade. None of them. He, he was fulfilling all the things that the Jewish people, even the rabbis themselves, had written about. Jesus was going about fulfilling all of it. And the Bible tells us in verse 25, And there followed him a great multitude from all over the place. It's interesting that Matthew, whose primary audience is the Jewish people, he does bring in there some areas when we talk about Syria and some of these other places that definitely some of the Gentiles were already starting to notate this many times we're told that Jesus was this small time rabbi that just only influenced a little group of people but when you read what Matthew says here and you look at it from a geographic standpoint at that time in world history he, 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 people were getting to hear about him it could not be said that Jesus did not fulfill the preaching ministry that God gave him and the will of the father to let everyone know that the Messiah is here now today, you and I obviously are living a, a, you know, Jesus has come, he's died, he rose again, and the Holy Spirit came, the church era, the era of grace is here, and we do, when we preach the good news, our good news encapsulates the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And it is good news, isn't it? It's good news. Um, I... I it, it is hard to believe sometimes that um, life goes by so fast. I know tonight we have, we have a lot of our young families that are out sick, so most, most of the people, and there are some young people in here, but most of us in here tonight look a little well-traveled. <laughs> does, it, does it? Yeah, yeah. 4.0, you're in the clear. You're good. Um, even if you are flawed a little bit, you're good. Um, but doesn't it go by fast? It just, I'm like, wow. And um, sometimes I struggle, God, what do you want me to do? What should I do? And I know in some capacity the answer to that question is God putting you in a place to be of greater influence to let people know the good news? Because we're all going to die one day. And apart from Christ and his resurrection, there is no hope. And we have that, and we're living in a time where the light and darkness is getting more polarized than it ever has been. Um... I think it was, I saw you know, last night or something when I was reviewing my notes, I, um, I checked on Facebook, and I think it was Sylvia. I think it was Sylvia Wright had put something. I think it was Sylvia. If you're watching Sylvia, I think it was you. But she had noted an article of, I guess, the, one of the latest fads in churches, and it had some pictures on there, and, and it was how churches are adopting yoga, doing yoga in the church. And it was a really well-written article, and 
uh, you know, people, I, I know I'm going to be controversial again, but I, there's nothing wrong with doing stretching and this, that, and the other, but as soon as you enter into yoga and you get a mantra, understand you're praying probably to a demon. Just understand it. And to see how far our churches have gone to be sanctioning in an auditorium of a Christian church promoting the prayers to demons and Buddhism and all the rest of that garbage just breaks my heart. It just does. And I've always said, and I'll continue to say it, um, you say, well, how do, I, how do I find a good church? It's hard sometimes to find a balanced church. You guys know how I feel about the legalistic Baptist and other types of churches that tell everybody how they ought to live and they define everything. No, I'm, I'm opposed to that. But I'll tell you, there's one way that I personally have always found to be fairly effective on does a church have a good priority structure? Does the church spend of their main worship service during the week, do they spend more time singing the same words over and over again and singing 15 songs and they have 40 minutes of a concert and a 15-minute sermon? Or do they have a 40-minute sermon and 15 minutes of singing? Now, maybe we ought to do more than that. Put notes in the comments below. But if push comes to shove, if long as that preacher's fair with the Word of God and is doing that, I'd much rather hear, and I think it's more important to be sharing and preaching the Word of God than it is to do anything. I think it's the number one thing we ought to do. And um, you come here, we do it in a very balanced approach, different approach. Sunday night, we do small groups. And, you know, I always tease Pastor Danny about it because, you know, Sunday night in his small group, he's teaching through James right now. It's really good stuff. But, you know, he gets like 45 minutes. I think Brother Bill, I was, you, when you covered from you preached, you, you spoke for like, 55 minutes or something, didn't you? A little over an hour. He's even, he's proud of it. A little over an hour. I don't, if I did that on Sunday morning, y'all would walk out and say, hey, the, I, I'm missing my spot in the line of the buffet, so you, you wrap it up, preacher. Um, but, but, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, and it's a good thing. And I just want to encourage you. You don't know what to do. You need to get alone with God and pray. And just remember, you know, just because things are going well doesn't necessarily mean it's the right will of God. doesn't mean it's, it isn't. You just need to seek God and get the priorities right. Amen? Amen. All right. I appreciate you being here tonight. We're going to get done a little bit early. That's awesome. Don't, don't get used to it. See how that I'm picking on you, Bill? You, you're, you're going. You and Pastor Danny just go on and on and on. And he, I'm the good guy. Get done early. And everybody, everybody loves me for that. You know, don't get used to it. All right. I'm going to pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for the teaching of your word tonight. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for the example you set in ministry and also how that during the busiest times we need to make sure that there's a priority of getting alone with you and uh, paying the price to do that. And uh, God, help us to keep the priority of preaching the good news and sharing it uh, through our life and through the opportunities you present. Thank you that we heard tonight, uh, you know, through drive-in ministries that uh, many, a dozen or so decisions this last week, and uh, we rejoice in that. Lord, I pray your blessing uh, on drive-in and all our missionaries around the world as they continue to share the good news. And on our church, God, we have a lot of folks that are out ill tonight um, that are going through uh, problems and struggles. I pray your grace would be upon them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. We'll see you later.